Hello and welcome to this next Super Teams podcast episode. This is actually an emergency episode, which Dave pressed the emergency podcast button. I'll let him explain a little bit more about uh, why he pressed that button. But in a nutshell, as I understand it, it's because Spurs have suddenly started to do well and are having their best start to the Premier League ever since the Premier League started. Just before we go any further, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, then welcome. And if you've listened before and you like what you hear, just click the subscribe button and then you'll be notified when there are any new updates to these podcasts. But let's get into it. Dave, tell me a bit about what's happening with Spurs at the moment. Hi, Jeremy. Well, this is clearly going to be a very difficult podcast for me to to talk about. As anyone knows, my West Ham supporting background makes talking about Spurs quite difficult. And yet there's something really interesting going on at Spurs. And from a psychological perspective, I think we have a lot to a lot to cover. So what's going on at Spurs? Well, anyone that's following the Premier League this season will know that Spurs have had a really quite outstanding start to the season. They, they've been top of the table for a while. They've dropped back recently. They had a couple of defeats recently and are now back in fourth place. But before then, they were playing very well, playing a brand of football that was quite different to the brand of football they've been playing in the last few years. They, they obviously, as most people know, lost Harry Kane just before the start of the season. And people thought this may adversely affect their performance. And it's actually been the opposite. They've actually performed very well. Now, we're not saying Harry Kane leaving is the catalyst for this. What, what we're going to explore is the effect that the new manager, Ange Postacoglu, has had on the playing style and on the results. And just to say, the reason why I called the emergency podcast was because there was an extraordinary game a couple of weeks ago where they played Chelsea and had two players sent off and went down to nine men. And they played an incredible tactical game of trying to play offside on the halfway line against Chelsea. They ended up losing 4-1. But Postacoglu said this, Afterwards, he said, when, when somebody said, was it foolish to play the high line with nine men on your halfway line trying to catch Chelsea offside? He said, it's just who we are, mate. It's who we're going to be as long as I'm here. And if we go down to five men, we'll have a crack. And that, that quote sort of sums up his philosophy and his approach and also what he's done to the team. And it really made me think about what he's created there. And I thought this would be a really interesting thing to talk about. Yeah, that's, that, that is an interesting quote, isn't it? And we should just say that Harry Kane's also had a fantastic start to his season over in the Bundesliga. And so it's been good news for him making that change. And it looks like it's been good news for Tottenham as well. Correct. So from a psychological perspective, and we always like to tie what we're talking to into theories... I can I can certainly think of one area which we can dig into, and that's the area around team identity. And obviously Spurs is a club that's got a lot of history, and perhaps we can delve back into some of what's gone before and compare and contrast it to what's happening now. Uh, but what, what are the other areas which you think have been significant? Well, I agree that the team identity is a significant area. 
And yet when you've got an identity that is high risk around a, a, around a playing style, what is really required when you're working with players who are used to not taking risks and playing low risk football, not give anything away, how do you free them from fear? And he seems to have done a really good job in freeing his players from the fear of making a mistake. Because one of his principles is about playing the ball out from the back. So the keeper has the ball, the keeper plays it to a full back or a central defender. And then between those groups of players and maybe a midfielder dropping deep, you try to play your way out of defence as the opposition team are pressing you to get the ball. Now, the problem with that approach is if you lose the ball, you lose it in a very vulnerable position high up the pitch near your own goal and there's a high chance of the opposition scoring. But the risk the risk reward here is if you if you get past their press, if you can pass pass the ball around those players that are pressing, you can you can then get an overload against the opposition in their half of the pitch. And so and this is the sort right. of tactic that Spurs play. And they've actually been very, very successful at it for, for the first eight or ten games of the season and scored a lot of goals and won a lot of games and, and consequently were top of the league. But it requires players to play without fear. So he's done something here around another psychological concept called psychological safety, that he seems to have created a psychologically safe space for his players to exist in. And I think that's another interesting area to explore. Okay. So let's just contrast what he's been doing with what his predecessor Conte was was up to. So Conte's style was very much about having a team that sat back, uh, defended when necessary, and used wing backs to try and uh, attack on the counter attack. And it sounds like the style that has come in now with Postacoglu is 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 quite different to that. When Conte left at the end of last season, towards the end of last season, one of the things that you and I talked about was how we felt that his approach to football, his style of football, if you like, the the edge and the way that they play, didn't really fit with the history of Tottenham. And we looked back to the history of Spurs and, and you know, the golden era for Spurs uh, was under Bill Nicholson uh, back in the 60s. So Bill Nicholson was the manager between 58 and 74. And really, he was one of the pioneers of modern football tactics. And back then they used to call it push and run as opposed to kick and chase, I suppose. Uh, and so the essence of what he wanted to do was was keep possession and attack the opposition at all times. And of course, Spurs were really successful back then. Uh, they won the first division title in 61, FA Cup in 62, and the European Cup Winners' Cup in 63. Uh, it was a real golden era for them. Uh, with some great players like Danny Blanchflower and Jimmy Greaves and Martin Peters, Dave McKay. So do you get the feeling that what... Postacoglu is, is doing at the moment is more in keeping with that Bill Nicholson history and, and, and what Spurs once were? I think yes. Is The short answer is yes. I think a more sort of nuanced answer is he's taken... Football's evolved in that... Well, we're talking about a 60-year period since then and football has evolved greatly and it's a very tactical game now players are incredibly fit the equipment is a lot different to what what uh, it was then the playing surface 
is a lot different. Football can be played in a different way. And he's taken that, that more attacking style and adapted it into today's game. Uh, and he's looked at how teams play and teams like to press. And he's worked out a style that beats the press. And, and it's a really, really clever system because and, and lots of teams try to do this. Spurs just happen to do it very well. You draw the opposition in. So if you think about the old days, when the goalkeeper had the ball back in the 60s and 70s, generally the keeper would boot it up the pitch and it would be a 50-50 which team would gain possession. These days, you roll the ball out to, to a defender and try to play out. And the idea is to keep possession and get up the pitch as quickly as possible while beating the press. And most teams like to press other teams and most teams also like to try and beat the press. But they're not all that, not all of them are very good at it. But Spurs are good at it, and it creates a very exciting uh, style of play. Because if you can move the ball from defence into attack quickly, you can be in the opposition's penalty area within 10 seconds of having left your own penalty area. And so you get a very rapid, fighting style of play, which is, I think, more in keeping with what Spurs fans have enjoyed over the years. I mean, I'm not a Spurs fan, so it's hard for me to talk for them. But I'm, I'm assuming it's more in keeping what Spurs fans have enjoyed over the years around the 60s and even the 70s and the early 80s with players like Glenn Hoddle than what they've been enduring over the last few years, which is a much more, I would call it to be kind, I would call it a pragmatic style of football with people like Conte and Mourinho before him in charge. Um, a style of football which is about primarily not losing and then trying to win 1-0. Right. Okay. So the reason that I mention um, going right back to the 1960s and Spurs is one of the foundational qualities of a team identity. In this case, I, case it's a club identity. One of the foundational qualities is that there is a sense of connection over time. So that is a connection between the past, the present and the future. Now, we know that the past can be a burden, and we've talked before about the England football team and how they, in fact, needed to cast off the expectations of the past and forget about 1966 in order to move forward under Gareth Southgate. And so, so that's a strategy, is to say, right, we're leaving the past behind. And and it seems to me that Postacoglu have... Has, in his mind, is taking a similar approach. He certainly talked about there being no baggage from the past. He said, I come in with the energy that it's something new, an exciting opportunity for us. And so he is seeing this as a, as a, a transition point for the team. And he certainly talked a lot about change and how actually if people wanted things the same, then they wouldn't have brought him in. So he is assuming that his remit is to change things and that's exactly what he's doing. And we can go on and talk about that change. But I still believe that when we look at teams that are successful in the long run, they're able to make a connection between that past, present and future. And I wonder whether from a fan perspective and even from a player perspective, this is something that they talk about, that there were these glory days when Spurs were seen very much as pioneers in European football, in world football, and that seemed to slip away from them for, let's be honest, half a century. 
and maybe there's some expectation that that, that 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 this is going to be rediscovered now whether that conversation goes on or not in their in their dressing room and and their management meetings i really don't know but if i was involved with the club that's exactly the kind of conversation i'd be suggesting that they would have well yes i i agree and i think this idea of a connection with the past it's it's like a conscious decision to ditch the rec- the recent past the way they've been playing in the recent past and connect with those former glory days of playing exciting football that gets the crowd off their seats and it, the the exact style of football may not be exactly the same but because it's exciting right. and gets the crowd off their seats i think that's the connection and also, we did a bit of research, and I know you did a bit, bit of research around Spurs, and their, and their motto, I think, is to dare is to do. And we're seeing this in, in real life. We're seeing this daring, this daring attitude. Now, whether that's a happy coincidence and whether Postacoglu's style just happens to suit Spurs and Spurs' history happens to suit Postacoglu or whether this has been more clearly and carefully thought out by Daniel Levy, we can we can leave the listeners to work work that one out or to guess that one, but nevertheless, there does seem to have been a meeting of minds here. Yeah, and it's it's interesting looking back at the history of Spurs and Bill Nicholson was obviously a a really important figure in their in their past, and and I found this great quote from him. He says, uh, "The great fallacy is that the game is first and last about winning. It's nothing of the kind. The game is about glory." It's about doing things in style and with a flourish, about going out and beating the other lot, not waiting for them to die of boredom. And that really sounds like that's something that Postacoglu could be saying himself right now. And there's a Danny Blanchflower quote, which was, winning isn't everything, but wanting to win is. And I've, it seems to me that those those two quotes really sum up what the attitude is within Spurs at the moment. It's really interesting to look at to compare some of that with looking at Postacoglu's background. So here's a guy who was born in Greece. His, his family emigrated to Australia when he was young, and he was brought up in Australia. Now, one of the influences he quotes is his father. And a quote that he's given about what his dad said or what his dad's attitude to football was, was Postacoglu says, my old man didn't love the game in itself. He loved the entertainment of the game, and that resonated with me. So in his formative years, he was around a person, an influential person, who was talking about the entertainment of the game and rather than the outcome of the game. And another quote, he talks about his father had a little phrase about how to play football, and it was, keep the ball down. He says that that was his father's mantra, this idea of keeping the ball down. In other words, play with the ball on the ground. Don't kick right. it long. So even there, we see some, um, in his formative years, we see the beginnings of this idea of how he wants football to be played and also how he sees football as, as something that is entertainment. So it's interesting if Spurs, and I would say if this is true, it's for the first time in a very long time, if Spurs have gone out and hired a manager for the kind of long-term culture that they want to create in the club 
rather than short term, we need to win the next half a dozen matches. Because it felt like Mourinho and Conte were those kinds of hires. They weren't going to build something which was was going to be a dynasty. They weren't going to leave a legacy of a great club. What they were going to do is come in and, and in the short term, win matches for Spurs. And that didn't really pay off, did it? It didn't really pay off for either of the of the managers, they never quite achieved what they wanted. So I wonder whether Spurs chairman has has, has changed his approach and and gone for a different kind of manager. It looks that way. It does it? look that way. Apart from the fact that in the summer, when he was pursuing various potential managers for the job and kept getting turned down, there is the sort of feeling that Postecoglou was the only one he had left. Uh, to turn to, <laughs> so but that's that's coming from a West Ham okay. fan. So take that with a pinch of salt. I think there's there's some other okay. evidence here, or some other interesting stuff. When he joined, he talked about the players wanting to feel part of something special that they haven't experienced before. So one of the things about Spurs was, was it was often said that uh, you know it was the players getting the manager sacked. They weren't performing. They weren't interested in performing. And so what, what's a manager coming in going to do with a, a group of players that have, you know, potentially got a couple of managers sacked? Well, change it. Change the player's attitude. Make the players feel special. Make the players feel like they're doing something that they haven't done before. And he talks about this idea. He says, be brave. I'll back you 1,000%. Just know either side of you, you've got someone you can rely on. So if you... I'm going to swear now, F up, they'll make up for you. Uh, they'll make it up for you. And next time they F up, you'll make it up to them. So what he's doing is bringing in a culture here of, look, we're going to screw up. We're going to screw up. But your your player next to you will support you. And, and when they screw up, you'll support them. And when you all screw up, I'll support you. And that creates this sort of sense of safety, which allows them to play with a little bit more, a little bit more freedom potentially. So that, that's that's interesting. And another interesting factor is when we delve into Postecoglou's past a little bit more. What happened to him as a player? So he actually played football in Australia. So he he as he grew up, he got into professional football and played for a football team. I think it was in Melbourne. And he played under a manager called Ferenc Pushkas, who is a very famous player from the 50s. I think a Hungarian player from the 50s, very successful player from, uh, from the 50s. And Pushkas had a, a philosophy that, that really you can start to see in Postecoglou's way of, way of playing. So this is what Postecoglou said about, about Pushkas. He said, anyone would say Puskas's teams just wanted to outscore the opposition. That's all that he wanted to do. Puskas, he said, Puskas goes, we'll win 5-4 every week and I'll enjoy it. I was a defender, so we copped four goals and I was like, shit. But he was buzzing because what a game. They scored great goals, we scored great goals. But that's just not right as a defender is what he would say. But it was right because what it did was for us players, it released us of all the fear of, oh, we've just conceded a goal. What a tragedy. It became, oh, we've conceded a goal. Let's go up and score two. It doesn't matter. It's all right. He provided that security blanket and we ended up being champions that year. 
So, you know, what an influential story, what an influential experience that must have been for Postacoglu to play under Puskas and to be given that, that freedom and that removal of fear. One of the themes about the different teams that we talk about that are successful and are trying to do things differently is around this idea of safety, psychological safety, removing fear from the team culture of the team environment. So we talked about the England cricket team, Brendan McCullum, Ben Stokes and the baseball approach being about removing fear. We talked a few weeks ago about the Ryder Cup and the efforts that the European team put into giving their players the confidence that things were going to be all right, whether that's through the statistical analysis that led to the pairings and the combinations or whether it's through the the, the culture and the clear identity that they have developed within the European Ryder Cup team. Uh, but there's but there's this there's this common theme and it sounds like what you're saying here is is that's exactly what's happening at Spurs at the moment. So I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts about how that happens. What what are the things? It's easy to say, isn't it? Oh, just go out and you know it doesn't matter if we give away goals. But of course, we know that players have social media if you're a defender these days you're going to get criticized uh, there's always rumors that some players instead of listening to the halftime team talk are looking at their social media to see whether they're being roasted for any errors that they made in the first half so there's a there's a much more public pressure directly towards players that, that that goes on these days plus expectations of fans who are in the stadium and expectations of your teammates around you. So lots of things are almost built into the game that bring fear into play. But what are the steps that you think could be taken to, to reduce that fear? Well, I think you can get this kind of fear in any environment. It's not exclusive to sport or to football. We could, we, you could be in an office environment, for example, and be in fear of making a mistake be in fear of losing your job. And so it's a great question. How, how do we minimize that fear? And it comes from, from great leadership. So thinking about how do we create a, a, safe, a safe culture in which to operate, the leaders can, can really drive that. And if we look at this idea of psychological safety, this construct of psychological safety, it's actually been around a while. Uh, it was first sort of it came to prominence in some seminal research by Shine and Bennis in 1965 around organisational change. They were sort of analysing how organisations change. And they described psychological safety as the extent to which individuals feel secure and confident in their ability to manage change. So this was all around managing change. But that's been, this, this concept has been taken forward since then. And we've talked to, and researchers have talked more about um, team psychological safety and how people, the extent to which people are comfortable in showing up as themselves at work without fear of negative consequences and how, how safe they feel about expressing their views and their ideas. So how trusted they feel and how supportive they feel their, the environment is. So we start to get a sense of from this in initial idea of psychological safety is about the ability to manage change to a much sort of wider construct. 
And I think what's interesting more recently, there's been a book written by Timothy Clark called The Four Stages of Psychological Safety, where he's tried to sort of develop a framework of psychological safety. And I think if we look at that, it's quite instructive around how to create um, a, a psychologically safe environment. So what I'll do is I'll just go through those sort of four those four stages of psychological safety. And we can then sort of think about, well, how might this have been applied to Spurs? But I think for any listener, we can also think about how might you apply this to any environment that you're in, particularly a work environment, and particularly if you are a leader. So let me just, let me just go through these, these four areas. So the first area is called inclusion safety. And this is about bringing your authentic self to work. So how included do you feel? Do you feel like you're able to come to work as yourself? And what an organization might do to make this happen is to give people the space to talk, to express themselves, to express their curiosity about things, but also to respect their boundaries. So don't push people too far. Respect who they are, respect what they have to offer. And that's that's inclusion safety. Then we have learner safety, um, where mistakes are no longer seen as something to be feared. Mistakes are seen as something to be learned from. So it's all part, mistakes are part of the learning process. And part of the value here is around honesty. So honesty is valued, especially when admitting we don't know something. How often have we seen in a work environment where somebody's put on the, the spot and they try and blag their way through or bluff their way through the answer because they don't know what they're talking about, but they don't feel they can say, I don't know what I'm talking about because they're fearful about, about being exposed. So, so learner safety is about honesty. It's about, as I said, accepting that we are going to make mistakes and learn from them and being honest where we don't know something. And this is where nothing is assumed. We don't assume that anybody knows anything. We're not condescending towards people, but we're equally, we're not assuming that they know anything. So things are explained and discussed and talked about without any assumptions. And as I say, this real focus on learning. The third quadrant, as he calls it, of the four stages of psychological safety is contributor safety. So, you know, as humans, we want to make a difference and offer meaningful contributions. And contributor safety, contributor safety is around feeling that... Um, you are able to contribute ideas to think outside of outside of the box think outside of your role and participate and part of this is it goes both ways because if we're going to give somebody feedback um, part of that is to ask permission to give feedback so we're creating a safe environment that we are both asking people to contribute their ideas and when we want to give something to them we're asking permission to to do that so it creates a sort of very respectful environment and the final one is challenger safety this is where there are there will be disagreements in a a work environment whether it's a football team or um, day-to-day work there's going to be disagreements but can people disagree productively can people feel able to express their view even if it disagrees with the leader can bad news be shared? You know, there's, there's often a culture of no one wants to hear bad news. Can 
can there be dissent? Would, could the leader ask for dissent as, as a useful mechanism to challenge thinking? And, and part of this is about expressing gratitude for the opportunity to discuss ideas and to discuss dissent. So it encourages this idea of no one has a sort of divine right to the truth. It's, it's a team effort to discuss and challenge and co-create ideas that are going to work for the team. So those are the four, those are the four stages or the four quadrants. What's your view on those? I think that's an interesting model. Psychological safety is something that's talked about a lot in the corporate environment. And I think that most people who go on leadership training courses will have been told that one of the key drivers of success for teams is psychological safety. And there was a project run by Google uh, quite, probably about seven or eight years ago now called Project Aristotle. They looked at all aspects of as many variables as they could of factors which were affecting how effectively teams within Google performed across all the range of different functions within Google. And um, they, they identified, much to their surprise, that it wasn't really to do with the skills and the personality of the individuals. The biggest factor was psychological safety. So it's easy to say, well, create a psychologically safe environment. It's, it's just difficult to do. And so I think that framework is is useful. And as I think about it in the context of Spurs, I'm thinking, well, I wonder how you go about doing that. And obviously, one of the things that Postacoglu has talked about is changing the people. And so if you look at his regular starting 11 so far for this season, he's got five players who didn't play for Spurs at all last season. And in fact, three of those players, I think Vicario, Udoji and Van de Ven, hadn't played in the Premier League before. So one way to open up the culture and, and bring about change is, is to actually change the people. And, and it certainly looks like he's done that. Perhaps Harry Kane leaving actually helped with that as well. And we know that he's got a, a new player leadership group. And I think that that's on Madison and Christian Romero. And so there's been a lot of change of the roles of people and the actual people, which I guess is a good start point when you're thinking about what can you do within a culture. Not everyone has the luxury of changing the people in that way, uh, but, but certainly in his circumstance, that's something that he's been able to do. And, and then what people talk about is that he's very good at delegating and that he has encouraged the dressing room to be very much player driven. He's saying, look, the dressing room is yours. It's up to you. I've got a player leadership group. It's up to you to set standards. It's up to you to regulate standards. It's up to you to decide what it means to be a good teammate. And I'm going to let you do that. And I'm going to delegate that to you and not, not try and interfere. Now, I suspect that that's very different to a Conte, and it's certainly very different to a Mourinho, who is a very traditional, uh, highly interventionist uh, kind of a leader. One way that we talk about leadership and teams um, in the corporate sector is to think about how decisions get made. So if you look at someone like Mourinho, his decision-making approach would be what I would call a hub-and-spoke 
approach. So he sat at the hub of the wheel and every decision which was made needed to be fed back to him along one of the spokes. And then it goes back out to the rim of the wheel where the action's happening. And obviously that's one way of organizing a team. But there's another way, and that's to get rid of the hub. And so you've got multiple connections between everybody out on the rim and you empower people to make decisions for themselves, take actions for themselves. Now, if you do that, then the message that you're giving is, well, we're creating some safety here because if things go wrong, uh, you won't be ejected from this group. So there's some inclusion safety there your being honest about what's not working will be valued so some learner safety that your views are encouraged so there's contributor safety and if you disagree and if you disagree with the boss then there's some challenger safety as well so if if those are the principles that you're bringing into play as the leader you really really have to live it you have to say yep that's how we're going to do it and you have to be consistent in the way in which you deliver that be interesting to hear from someone on the inside whether that reflects what's going on or whether that's a bit more aspirational than the reality at Spurs. It would be. And if any listener knows of somebody on the inside, please get in contact with us and we'll get them onto the podcast. It, I, think, I think that's right. I think the, the interesting one about personnel as well is recruiting Madison, a, a really good signing from Leicester, got, got him at, for a good price. And he fits. He fits the kind of style of football that Postacoglu wants to play. Uh, you know, sort of being, being able to pick out a pass, being able to play players in uh, and play, them, play the pass quickly and a forward-thinking player. So he was a great signing to sort of uh, bolster that, that, that attitude, that philosophy that Postacoglu has. And he's going to be a big miss because he's now out injured until the new year at least. So it'll be interesting to see how Spurs, how Spurs cope with that. Interestingly, just as a side issue, there was this lovely quote from Postacoglu after they lost two players to injury and two players to suspension. And somebody said to him, this is now your test. This is now the test of, of your principles. And he said this, he said, mate, there are tests all the time. I love the way he starts every conversation with the word mate, but mate, there are tests all the time. <laughs> in, in my career, I've figured out there's only two states of being a manager. You're either under siege or it's coming. That's the only thing. I'm well aware that every day, nothing ever runs smooth. There's always challenges out there. What I try to do is not change my state of being. So like a really realistic view of football management from Postacoglu, a real truth of football management. You know, you're either under siege or it's coming. That's You think about any manager, perhaps with the exception of Ferguson, and even he was under siege a lot of the time. That's, that's the state of management. And so a really realistic view. And what I really like about that quote is, I try not to change my state of being. In other words, I'm not going to compromise my principles this is the way we're going to play. And if people like it, great. And if they don't like it, well, you know, they can, they can make a decision about what to do with him. So fascinating, really. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It, it, it requires a lot of 
determination. It requires a lot mm. of clarity of vision from a manager to take a different approach. And, uh, you know, we can only hope that he gets the support of the club, even if they do have a, a, a relatively barren period. Uh, he certainly made one of the most spectacular starts to, to the season. And I think a lot of the stats about the way in which they play really look very promising. And even with injuries, one would hope that that's enough to, to keep them performing well. You know, one of the things about successful leaders across domains is that they're prepared to do things a little bit differently. They're prepared to be a little bit unconventional in the way that they approach things. And and one of the, just as an aside, one of the stories I heard about Professor Warren Bennis, one of the authors that you talked about, along with Gershine. So Bennis and Shine were the great granddaddies of organizational development and organizational design and they both uh, were involved at Harvard University back in the 60s and did some really pioneering work around leadership and then later on in his career Bennis went to the University of Southern California where he was a professor running a management and leadership program and it became known to the department heads that he was giving the final exam papers (laughs) to his students on the first day of term (laughs) So there was a, a, an uproar within the department. They said, well, what on earth are you doing? Why, why are you giving the papers to the students on the first day of term? And he said, well, I thought that the objective here was for us to make sure that the students performed well in their exams. And I thought this was probably the best way to go about that. And he said, not because necessarily they've seen the paper, but because we're really transparent about what we're expecting them to learn. And we're taking that performance pressure off them. We're taking away the fear of failing exams and all the distraction that comes with that. And so I think that the students that graduate from my program are going to be much better equipped than students who wasted the last few months of of an ordinary program, not learning new stuff, but just revising and swatting for exams. And... um, I think he was too famous and too successful to be severely <laughs> reprimanded. But needless to say, it's not really an approach that's that's caught on 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 other courses. But I love people who think differently like that and have taken a, a concept about what leads to performance and used it to reframe uh, the way in which they think about uh, how we measure performance and how we encourage performance. I think one of the problems in sports coaching and sports management is that sports people live in a bubble and the bubble is around and I think it's sometimes really manufactured is around this is how it just works so my experiences of working in football is a lot of people will say to me that's what it's like in football that's how it works in football and there's a kind of rather sometimes unchallenging acceptance of well and that's how it always will be and that's perhaps how it should be and and I I just find that really hard to accept I think that there are clearly things that happen in many many sporting environments which are so fundamentally different from high performing organizations whether those are in the commercial sector in the public sector in the military sector so far removed from what best practice looks like that that surely it, it takes for someone to be bold enough and brave enough to really just try and rewrite the rules of how it's done. And I hope that, well, maybe Postacoglu is one of those people who's doing that in his inimitable 
all right, mate, Australian style. Yes, and just to sort of tie up what we've been talking about, you know, we started off earlier on with a quote about how he was talking about he he backs the players a thousand percent. Uh, the player to the left has got the support of the player to the right, and the player to the right has got the support of the player to the left. And when we look at that through the lens of learner safety, uh, we can see, you can imagine, can't you, the, the, the video analysis uh, that might take place on the Monday after a game on a, at the weekend where mistakes are made by the defenders. And those mistakes are learning opportunities. Those mistakes are not uh, opportunities to castigate anybody, but they're opportunities to learn how they can do it better. And when they play it out from the back and watching the video analysis of that and doing it well, that's evidence of it works. And so I think you can see how, if you tie it all together, this identity of how Postacoglu wants the game to be played and then couple that with creating a, a psychologically safe space for the players to, to live and breathe and, crucially, to perform you've got a very powerful dynamic going on there uh, that that you can see barring injury and suspension which unfortunately is what Spurs are experiencing now barring injury and suspension the team can really flourish and it'll be interesting to see whether this is whether the bubble has burst or whether this is sustainable by Postacoglu and whether he can insulate himself from the external pressures of a results-driven industry where the fans want results and, crucially, the chairman wants results. So that's going to be an interesting an interesting journey going forward. Yeah, well, I think we may have to press <laughs> the emergency podcast button again at some point after Christmas and just see whether Spurs have managed to continue to be successful despite injuries mm. and, and other setbacks. Thanks very much, David. I think that's been well worth getting mm. together to have this conversation. I hope the listeners have enjoyed the conversation as well. Certainly, from my perspective, it's always interesting to hear of uh, different theoretical approaches to how we can put in place some of these really important fundamentals for performance in team environments. And so thank you very much for introducing us to, to another one around psychological safety. And I very much look forward to getting together for the next podcast and delving a bit more deeply into, into how teams are performing. And I'm just going to finish, much. Jeremy. I'm going to give the last word to Postacoglu on this. And this is about the fans. This is about, this really is the essence of what he's all about. He says this, he said about the fans, it's not about making them happy. It's about giving them joy. He says joy that comes from suffering, which is really interesting. And then he says this, when somebody asked him, should the fans temper their expectations after the start the Spurs had? He said, no, 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 let them go. Let them enjoy it. I've said this before. My role is not to burst bubbles. Let them get excited and ahead of themselves. That's the beauty of being a supporter. It sums it up very well. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you all. very much. Goodbye. Thanks. Bye-bye.